0: Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kissinger. And this is a show for
1: you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant guest today is an Australian comedian who's been warning about some of the stuff we've been talking for a long time since about 10 years ago. Steve Hughes, welcome to Trigonometry. Hello. It's good to have you, man. For... It's good to be here. It is. hour and a half in a taxi.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but it's great to have you. you. Uh, Tell everybody who are you, how are you, where you are, what has been your journey, the abridged version, through life, All right. uh, so for people who might not know who you are.
2: Well, quite a few probably won't know who I am, actually. Well, I was born in Australia, English parents. Uh, grew up in Australia, didn't really suit it. Wanted to play rugby league, gave it a go. But it's hard when you're made of bone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, can't you handle this? No, I can't. <laughs> if, I, if I, without getting too involved, I really grew up thinking, what am I going to do? I, I couldn't do maths, I couldn't do science, I couldn't kick balls. <laughs> I was going, and then I saw Iron Maiden in 1982 and just went, right. right, I'll make bands. So then I made bands, some of the first Australian thrash bands, probably the first Australian hardcore thrash. Death Metal Band was in that for a few years. It got quite well known through tape trading back then. It was like the internet before the internet in underground heavy metal. You just tape trade. When Metallica and that started thrash metal, even the mainstream metal, people didn't like it, thought it was a fad. Will it, will it get big? Well, yeah, I knew it was going to get big. Right. So there was a kind of tape trading underground punk metal scene, fanzine, so like. So that band got quite well known just from that... Then that broke up Then I joined Immortal Sin, which is another heavy metal band, toured overseas, played in England and stuff and Germany and faced No More, Testament, bands like that, played in the States, went back, that broke up, I formed another band called Presto, which was a kind of eclectic rock, cross metal folk, let's do whatever we want, you know the 90s, let's do whatever we want.
0: Mm.
2: Made two albums with that, joined another band called Nazul, which is an extreme black metal band in Australia, which was only a studio band, made two albums with that. But at the time I started comedy because after being in bands for 20 years and you get to a point and you're in the band for five years and you've gone to rehearsals twice a week for five years and you've done major tours and you make records and now now the bass player (laughs) leaves. Now the singer realises, I don't want to do this. Mm. You know, after years and bands you're always relying on other people, you know. So I thought Comedy. I don't have to rely on anyone. And I was all right at it. So I went and started that in Australia and then I suddenly realised, okay, well, Bill Bailey came out in 1980, 1998. I always knew British comedy was the best. And then I but I saw Bill Bailey in this small theatre in Sydney. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went, I've got to be around guys this good. How do you get good if you're not around guys this good? So I just said, i got an English passport. I'll fucking come here. and then. <laughs>
0: And so you came here and when I was talking to you about being on the show because, you know, massive fan of your comedy and when we were talking about political correctness, you used the words to me, I fucking told you about this shit 11 years ago. No one was listening. You are now.
1: That's his best Australian accent, yeah. by the way.
2: <laughs> well, I obviously wasn't the first to bring this up. Obviously, Bill Mars had a show called What? Politically Incorrect or something mm. for 20-odd years, you know. There was even an album brought out in the 80s, which was a joke album, a joke band, Anthrax, which is a legitimate band still going, but they mucked around. They had an album called Speak English or Die. (laughs) (laughs) Just a sort of punk crossover joke because all the songs were anti-PC and offensive, Yeah, you know, right? So obviously that PC stuff is obviously in a place like New York, where they're from. It had been around. That was like Mm. mid-80s. They had this kind of anti-PC. So obviously, you know, I'm not the first guy to go, hey, PC people are a bit nuts. But back in, what, 2008 or something when they really did start bringing in that crossover of we can connect hate crime to offence, mm. that's when I went, uh, hang on. Because offence is not abuse or even insult, is it? It's offence because, mm. you know, which is you don't want to bring law into offence because a vegetarian could be offended at a barbecue. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, but that seems to be the, the the place that we're at.
2: It is the place that we're at. Where well, you, you were better, talking you about better it. agree with the narrative. Yeah, on every single you know, political niche, cultural niche, social sort of a uh, racial niche, sexual niche. You better agree with all of it, or you're some kind of sexist, transphobic, Islamophobic, racist heteronormative, cisgendered, (laughs) microaggression
1: lunatic. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I want to bring it back to to the video of you on Michael McIntyre's Roadshow, uh, which we've just played at the beginning of this episode. Uh, And this was recorded in 2009, Right. And you're talking about this very thing. You're talking about the culture of offense, people taking offense, and it's a subjective thing. You're talking about all of that. That's 11 years ago at a time when we weren't really having this conversation in the same way. Like you said to Francis, I was warning you guys. Um, And back then, the way I remember it, like people talking about political correctness, it was very much the sort of Daily Mail, PC's gone mad, you can't say anything these days. But 11 years on now, I think we're in a very different place, aren't we? <laughs> well,
2: I, think, I think you two know we're in a very <laughs> different place. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are, it, it, it seems. As I said, when I talked to you the other day, I said, I'll come on this, you know, there'll be lots of people watching this that don't know who I am. And I've watched some of the shows, you know, some of Douglas and uh, the other fellow who was on who did the stuff about Christianity and history. And
0: Tom Holland. Tom Holland.
2: Interesting. With the hedgehogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. The one. So they're educated, I can tell they're educated, well-spoken men, whereas I'm not. So I'm not here to tell anyone that I'm you know, an expert or a, all, I, all I'll talk about is the stuff that I've read and studied, I guess, through uh, 20 years and form my, I don't like the word belief system, mm. but for my sort of view of how certain things in the world are connected and, and deep in and conspiracy. And I don't mind being called a conspiracy theorist because it's like being called a racist now, does not it? It's like the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> oh, you're a racist? Am I? Oh, whatever. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I don't care. You know, I'm not going to listen to these feminists or PC people or trans or what. Who are you? I'm a 53 year old man. I don't need some 20 year old with pink hair to tell me that I'm a racist. I'm like, what are you talking about? But uh, <laughs> I, I, I know <laughs> like, what, like, who are you? You don't know my life. You don't know what I. <laughs> you don't know anything about me. You're just when I see people there. When I grew up around punks and metalheads. Here's why I can't stand these young people. When I used to see girls when I grew up with green hair and Doc Martens, they were cool girls.
0: Mm.
2: Now I see anyone like that, I'm like, get them the fuck away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Because here's the great irony to me. It's like (laughs) even though now I can see a lot of my old punk mates were still getting inundated with that lefty ideology. We use these terms without getting too Mm, dualistic in politics. right? Because some of my old mates, I realise, and and, and also just the the vibe that was around when we were in underground punk and that, a lot of this stuff was, you know, already in our heads. In that underground punk world, it was like no one cares whether you're black or Chinese, you come to the punk gig, no one cares if you're gay. That was the whole thing about it. Mm -hmm. It was that opening up of away from that mainstream sort of idea of just, you know, you get married to a girl and it was all that sort of, you know, everyone, you want to, you know, I've been to, He's the only thing I've known tranny guys for 20 odd years mm-hmm. at, at hippie festivals that I met in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I love now. And you think you're having a rough time now. This guy was one in the, like the 70s in Australia. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, now he was in a teepee on pills. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, he's, he still had some stuff to get to. Yeah. But, you know, so, so it seemed to me that, you know, and, and punks and that the whole thing was that we don't mind not being accepted by the, the, the mainstream, we use these words, right? mm. So we'll make our extreme death metal band. We don't care if no one likes it. Other metalheads will like it. We've got no support. We won't get on a TV show. We won't do this, but we're going to do it anyway, right? We'll do it anyway. But now it seems to me you've got all these young people being inundated with this PC narrative that now they're they, they tell you that the system is what? Well, they want it destroyed, don't they? They, they say defund the police. They say – they believe that the system is what inherently racist. So within, so I can't be a white guy that's not racist. Why? Because I've been brought up in that system that's that's systematically racist. Is that the word they use? Yeah. Systemic, systemic. Systemic racism. So so therefore they they use this to quantify their arguments that well you have to be some kind of racist. Why? Because you've been brought up in this hierarchical white colonialist dominating, especially with Britain, I guess, empirical. Tentacle, and there's a truth to tentacles that came out of mm. colonialism, and mm. and, uh, and but it doesn't mean that what these people think is somehow now I've got to bow down and go. Oh, yeah, white people have been the evilest people in the world, <laughs> and everyone else. But I'm like, forget about, it. right? Because 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 uh, uh, these young kids are telling you that this system now is this. It's intrinsically systemic, racist, all this. But they're begging to be accepted by it. Mm. Mm. Whereas when I grew up, these punks and that get well, we don't want to be accepted by it. We'll stand over here. We're not going to work in the bank. Why? Well, I got a mohawk. This is why I got a mohawk. Why? So I stand out against the system, and it won't accept me. But now you've got these young people going. Well, why won't the system accept me? Even though I think the system is systemically racist, sexist, violent, colonialist, capitalist, which I want to see destroyed. But at the same time, I want this very system I'd like to see destroyed. Accept me. <laughs> It's a great point. What? It's a great point. And then my friend sent to mine the other day, he sent said, said me this thing the other day going, so he goes, this is your joke on the news. And there was some Aussie punk guy going, like, with, with his, you know, and, and, like, punk was over in about 78 in London, you know, but still they exist, the fashion sort of on. So there's some guy in a discharged jacket with studs and liquid paper and a mohawk and the articles were, you know, I go for jobs in the, the – Employers don't want to hire me because the way I look. Of course, (laughs) (laughs) that's why you're dressed like that. (laughs) (laughs) But now they use it as this victim. See how I don't get anything. Yeah. See if I just want to express myself, the system won't accept me. (laughs) What?
1: So what you're really talking about this is <laughs> how, the- how, how people rebel. So what you're saying is in the 70s you rebelled against the system and now people are rebelling against the system, but what they really want more than anything is to become the system. Yeah,
2: seems to me that's the or was my therapist in Australia put it perfectly, he was an old guy, an ex-alcoholic, and it was a, it's not your average therapy. He said, I guess that's like asking the rapist to rub your back. That's what you're asking. He goes, and I had that once when I was talking to the Canadian um, Indians because he'd done a lot of work overseas. Mm. He's an interesting guy. And there was a woman in Canada, you know, Indigenous, (coughs) with legitimate concerns if you've been through shit like that. I understand. I'm from Australia. But bitching about the Canadian stuff and what's going on. He just said to her, just stop expecting your oppressor to help you out. (laughs) Do it yourself. Mm. Now, these are big things, obviously. you see, oh, see, we've only got 50 minutes. We could talk yeah. for just days because it's – I can start to see things radically connected, in my head anyway, from, mm. from the information I've done here. You can see how PC and all this stuff, this divide and conquer. You know, that's why I don't like feminism because that's the big one between men and women. Mm. Like me and Reggie Hunter did a gig the other night at a university and he actually said in one of his jokes, he asked, how many girls in here, women in here, feel that not only do they sometimes be upset with men, but feel like they hate like all men. Every fucking girl put her hand up. Wow. Every girl in the gig put her hand up. Every girl. I was on the balcony watching. Just so to me, it was like watching a puppet show. I can see the I can mm. see the propaganda, how it's gone in. There you go, girls. Do you hate all men? Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. They're like 18 years old. What are, they, are they feminists? Do they know that much? What do they know? What do they know? But yeah, yeah, I hate all men. Why? What, your dad? Your uncle? Hmm. Your brothers?
1: Maybe, maybe the uncle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think as well, so we've got feminism but we also have identity politics as well.
2: We've got the lot. We've got the sexual thing, haven't we? Like hmm. there's 50 million genders which how do you even have a discussion? If you can't have a basic consensus of an objective reality, mm. how do you psychologically map a conversation? Right. Yeah. In a civilised sense. How do me and you have a discussion about biological sex if you go, oh, no, but there's 88 different genders? Well, how many can, we, can there be? Well, into infinitum. And we the go, p- I just make up another one. So there's no... Why? Because it's isn't it like this? Is it uh, this, what do they call it? This postmodernist thought? Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of, it's just in my head, so it's a reality in there. And if mm. that's the basis, I'm sure someone will be in a comment section going, he doesn't understand postmodernism. You're yeah, right, I don't understand all its complexities, but that seems to be the general thing of like, well, well you know.
1: There's no truth, yeah. there's subjectivity yeah. and interpretation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. If, it's, if my lived experience is that you're a woman, then that's my lived experience and mm. I get to say that. Yeah. yeah. Right, that's it. Yeah. It's all a bit. But um, you—it's you
2: like, well, it's, it's like almost like as I said, that guy who when he walks up to some girl in the university and says, "You know, so what if I identify as a sixty-five-year-old Chinese woman?" And she just goes, "Well, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I don't see what the problem is." And I, well, well, it's a big problem. He's not a sixty-five-year-old Chinese <laughs> woman. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right, so, 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 so this is not open-mindedness. This is, this is insanity. Right. right. This, yeah. is, this is. Doesn't matter what he does, he's not going to become a sixty-five-year-old. He's a six-foot-two white American guy.
0: This is all getting very transphobic, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you, mate.
2: This is getting is
0: very, very. I problematic. don't even know what that means.
2: <laughs> to me, you know what transphobic means. To me, I don't agree with your uh, narrative. Mm. Mm. That's what racist means. You don't agree with me? No. Well, you must be a racist. You don't don't agree with gay marriage? No. Well, you must be a homophobe. There could be no other. Like they had a plebiscite in Australia to get the gay marriage through, which I knew was already going to come through. Why? Because it's a globalist agenda. To me, the plebiscite was an illusion to create the idea that you're having a choice.
0: Hmm.
2: Plus, I think what it does is it gives these little lefties, then they go, oh, yeah, look, we won, and then they get the illusion they got some power and it was already a done deal. Why? Because they're going to move this stuff in to deconstruct your societies. Also, you can deconstruct your own religion. What if you make, you know, how can you be a Christian eventually if they go, well, if you don't agree with everything homosexuality stands for, then therefore you must be a homophobe and a bigot. So that means, well, you really can't be a Christian anymore. So we'll just get rid of your Christianity. And all the atheists will go, isn't that great because they did this and that, well, you'll find out, won't you? <laughs> and it's it's
0: a great point because we now feel that we've moved beyond religion, don't we? We feel that we don't need religion anymore; that we've sort of evolved past it. Doesn't it mean that we're more divided than ever?
2: I think it means we're arrogant. Now, of course, there's different words. Now when it comes to religion. Of course, that that could be construed in many ways. I think, from my interpretation, you know, do I think the Catholic Church is involved in serious globalist conspiracy theory stuff? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do I think that religion got to be fundamentalist and theistic and learned how to dominate people by telling them they'll go to hell and that they're filthy? This, is almost, this virus is almost like religious, isn't it? Like you're born a sinner, <laughs> like you carry this filth in you. This is what the virus is like. That's what you like. Have you got it?
1: <laughs> I love the way he's looking yeah, at you. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's just got a broken rib. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? That kind yeah, of, yeah. And, and that's almost like PC. It's like purit- puritism. Yeah. Puritanism, how do you say that? Puritanism, Puritanism, Puritanism right? It's yeah. like uh, see, I wasn't educated. <laughs> so it's like Puritanism. Yeah, if you don't agree with the with the narratives, then we'll just burn you. Really. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but we burn you in different ways now, don't we? Mm. We do it via social media. I notice you're not on Twitter. Is that a
2: no? I don't. I didn't even know. I don't. I don't know how to attach something to an email. I'm like, I literally. I don't like machines and.
1: <laughs> I just don't fucking like them.
2: <laughs> they don't uh, like me. They know. Uh, if I go people go, it's very easy, Steve. You just put this thing in yeah. and it comes up. It's an app and it just comes up. And I give it and I soon put it in and it goes, no, wrong. Okay, and they always go, I've never seen that before. Yeah, that's because I'm doing it. <laughs> Maybe this is a bit neurotic, but <laughs> that, that computers have got it in for me. that
0: they're making don't need to be made. I'm not saying that the complaints are not, are not just, it's, it's the execution of yes. Yes. it. Constantine, do you like music? No. Well, if you're not completely soulless like him and you do like music, may I recommend the Plant Society Band. They've got a lovely, soulful, chilled out flavour to their music and you can find them anywhere that you normally get your music.
1: I've tried right. just look for the Plant Society Band on YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, and everywhere else on social media. Uh, Steve, let's come back to comedy a little bit because mm. that video of yours, which is a brilliant, brilliant bit of stand-up, just incredible. I remember watching it before I became a comedian just thinking, this is incredible. Really great stuff. Uh, and you did it in 2009. You talked about the culture of offence a little bit. You did it on a mainstream TV show. Do you think you could still do that routine now on TV? Uh, no, probably not.
2: I think at the end, see, people used to often wonder, how do you, how do you say these things on Mainstream, you know, because I know that some young comics, when they know a guy that's apparently controversial, that some of them, they'd like to be like that. Mm. Right, right. But some of them make the mistake of thinking that, oh, I'll be radical and offensive, or, no, mm. no, that's not the point, right? I think I say things that I just want to say because I probably coming up in that underground thrash metal world where I just always considered, well, you just do what you want. You? So you want to put an album out that's called, you know, Satan's. Soldiers, hmm. and the songs are all violent and s- satanic, and oh. yeah, okay. So I didn't. I've never thought from from my perspective. Just well, you write a song about the devil and sing some songs if you want, don't you? Hmm. Have some gore on the cover? Oh, but it won't be very. Oh, I don't care. Hmm. <laughs> so, so it kind of worked for me. I just go. Oh, I'll just do what I want. Hmm. So-, so I didn't even sometimes though. You could not say that on that, hmm. can't you? sure they'll tell me if I can.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, now I'm sure
1: they'll tell me. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was getting at is, do you think uh, your attitude, which I always thought was the comedian's attitude, you know, I got into comedy because I was watching Bill Hicks, George Carlin, people like you, and I was going, wow, these people are actually saying something, right? And they're making it funny, which is the important mm. bit. Of course it is. But there's, there's, there's more to it than just, hey, I'm fat or whatever. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. that never really, not that that's bad, but it never appealed to me. Uh, but, but that's why I got into it. And, and I guess what I'm asking is do you feel that the comedy landscape has changed since even 10 years ago?
2: Well, I've spent five years dealing with having a breakdown, which was a nightmare, but came in handy. And, uh, <laughs> it does, you know. So I, I re- and I, I was touring for five years before then, sort of with Reg and also just my own shows. So I haven't been in clubs for like a decade, right? Right. I've done a couple since I got back, so I don't know. So obviously there's a whole, there'll be a whole group of people in there, one who've never seen me, who have come out of mm. university and gotten older. When I think about it, you know, some of these people were 12 when I had a breakdown. They're 20 now. Mm. So they could be in a club.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And so, I, so I don't really know how much it's changed. I'm sure it has to a degree because, you know, you, you could have. When I, when I used to come up, the, the clubs would stand by the act no matter what. Mm. Jonglers could be a bit more mainstreamy in the 2000s. You know, maybe you could, I think I told an audience in Birmingham was to go fuck themselves once in the, that morning. Uh, the rest of your gigs have been cancelled this week. <laughs> 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 yeah, you like, know, but usually clubs would, you know, if someone go, oh, I want to complain about the comedian, the clubs would go, it's a comedy club, mate. Mm-hmm. Not like
0: that, no, no. man. Now, not they're,
1: not like that.
2: now
0: they're. And then you see the way comedy has gone in the mainstream and it tends to fall <laughs> Look at his face. Uh, well, you know,
2: I haven't watched it but I've got a feeling if I did. Yeah. Because I've i got a feeling that there will be like some 18-year-olds who I'd never heard of going, yeah. well, where's is, where is this guy or girl come from? Like, like uh, and everything will be nice and is anything. I mean, at least in England they're very, it's a great comedy country so you may still get some guy who's eclectic and eccentric and, yeah. and, and but I can imagine they're all pretty. Well, someone in Melbourne started a safe space comedy room mm. and you'd have to give them your stuff first so they could go, oh, can you come in and do the act?
1: Really? So they're vetting your material before yeah. you go in. Yeah, yeah. Right. And is this place popular? Oh, I do doubt it.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's PC comedy is hilarious, isn't it? I mean, it's like, but, it's like, but, it's like, it's like sexless porn <laughs> or something, isn't it? Like.
0: <laughs> but, Steve, I mean, look, we, we, we talk about it. Why do you think it's important that... We don't police comedy and you don't hand in your jokes.
2: Well, like, like you were just saying, I, I, was never, I, I wasn't never—I was a young guy who got into comedy. I wanted to be in bands for years. I, I, in hindsight, I realised that we liked comedy. We used to, especially the 80s, we were still listening to a lot of thrash metal, and, but we'd also, well, we in the mid-80s I was still, sometimes we'd listen to Slayer and Exodus and Megadeth, but then we'd listen to Bill Cosby records. So we, were, we kind of always liked that thing. And in the 80s we, we watched a lot of that Eddie Murphy, Raw, or Delirious, mm. those two. Yeah, those two. Here's the two big specials. Richard Pryor on Sunset Strip, is it?
0: Live at the Sunset Strip.
2: One of the best ones. And Steve Martin at that Hollywood Bowl. So mm. It's just We just had those VHSs, so we had this mixture of thrash metal and these three guys that we just used to watch continually. And But also I used to listen to Jello Biafra and Henry Rollins, which my punk mates introduced me to, which is the first time I'd ever heard a spoken word. Mm. And I liked that. Like, oh, these guys get up there and just rant, you know. And I did like, I always like comedy that's got, and music that's got something to say. Right. Mm. I like that. Some of the artists I like, you know, I listen to Kate Bush or Peter Gabriel or something that's got, I notice a lot of the artists I listen to, it's usually an expression of the person, you know, so it's... uh, People go, how do you get into all this different music? To me, Slayer and Kate Bush is the same thing because they just do what they want. Mm. Yeah, you know, there's no fakeness here. Mm. You know, it's it's this is death metal and this is Kate Bush, but they both go, well, this is what we do. Mm. There's no strategy to make you like me and dress up in a way. And And so comedy as a getting back to that, I always liked the comedy too that had there was a realness. I like Billy Connolly; he had a realness. Mm-hmm. You know, it was him. You know, I like the Eddie. Uh, uh, they weren't all political. The uh, Richard Prize and that, but but it was real. Right. This guy would tell you, "I took too much meth and set myself on fire, and I'm getting divorced." And he'd tell you about his mess and his life, and it was he had balls. You know, and and then when I saw Bill Hicks, that was the f- first time that I that was like watching this kind of cross-spoken word mm-hmm. from the punk stuff mixed with. Joke's as good as Richard Pryor. That was like heaven for me. Oh, look at this. This is like this merging of these, these two worlds. So, yeah, I always like that kind of comedy. I like comedy. I don't think all comedy has to be uh, political or the, for want of a better word, but you know what I mean? Uh, I like Michael McIntyre's comedy, which many people would go, well, how do you like Michael Well, he's funny, mate.
1: He's very good at what he does. He's
2: fucking great, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and... He can do it, you know. He gets twenty minutes out of the kitchen drawer, and he doesn't say fuck once. And I can't do that. Mm. And he has people dying with laughter. And, and I watched him when he first started in the clubs, you know. And he was kicking ass, mm. yeah. you know. And he's so so. Some comedy is just good, I, you know. That guy can make just you know going on a tube funny. Mm. I can't do that. I've I wish I could. Mm. You know, I've, I've got a drawer with sticky tape and scissors in it, but when I look in it. <laughs> <laughs> I go, how did Michael get 20 minutes out of this? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and some comedy is more eccentric and, mm-hmm. and especially in England, they're very good at it. What's I forget the words sometimes, like Milton Jones or something. Yeah, yeah. surreal. Surreal, kind of twisted stuff. Mitch Hedberg was good yeah. at that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, I like it when it's weird. Like they had Woody Allen's early stuff. I was inspired by the, the creativity of the joke structures, you know, how – how much fat he would cut off a joke and it would just be this small package of words that would bite, especially biting towards himself but also great gags. But I don't like comedy that's, yeah, well, I don't like mainstream things that are made to accommodate a safe I understand if you're going to do a gig at the, 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 the nursing home at midday, mm. you don't come out with your. You might accommodate mm. the crowd, right? But, but but generally, I don't like things that are, are made to fit in so that it'll be accepted and nice. I'd rather have something that's got to have someone go, fucking hell! What's this going on? What's what's going on over here? Yeah. It's more exciting. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have a website or do you
1: plan to have a website? Well, if you do, then EasyDNS are the company for you. EasyDNS is the perfect domain name registrar provider and web host for you. They have a track record of standing up for their clients, whether it be
0: cancel culture, de-platform attacks or overzealous government agencies.
1: He knows a bit about that. So will you in a second. Easy DNS have rock solid network infrastructure and incredible customer support.
0: They're in your corner no matter what the world throws at you. Unless it's your ex-girlfriend, in which case you're on your own.
1: You'd know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Move your domains and websites over to EasyDNS right now. All you've got to do is head over to easyDNS.com forward slash triggered and use our promo code, which is of course triggered as well and you will get 50% off the initial purchase.
0: Sign up for their newsletter, Access of Easy, that tells you everything you need to know about technology, privacy, and censorship. And have you seen a
2: a decrease in that type of spirit? Well, as I said, I don't know particularly. I couldn't make a a, a decision in that sense because, as I said, I went back to Australia and had decided to have a breakdown for five years, which was intense. Mm. So I was kind of out. Which was which was a profound thing. I, I could almost look at this this whole thing that's going on with this. I don't even I don't even say the word COVID. I hate the word, but I can almost see it like that. In in one sense, it's like see now we get like we you were talking about the other day. See, see, in me having a breakdown, I knew for years that that that, that what I had stuff to deal with. Mm. Usually if you're an artist, you've got some stuff to deal with, but it's it's kind of a springboard, isn't it, for the work because the neurosis and the pain gives you this kind of, like John Cleese said, I didn't want to go to therapy because what I'm not funny. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So it gives you that kind of springboard for music or there's this inner turmoil and stuff, but it has to be dealt with eventually, you know, And usually if you've got something like that and I've got a driven personality, you know, I never stopped working, you know, never. Not that I'm a – I had a job I liked. I don't mean I wouldn't stop working if I had a shit job. But, you know, I didn't stop touring for five years. I was on the English comedy circuit for ten years and I did five years of touring non-stop and it just, you know, after and I'm hitting me from 40s and – And then when you've, you know, I was never a big drinker. I never took tons of drugs. I was never a drug addict. But, you know, I've drunk and I've taken drugs and, and, you know, and then you're not sleeping. I've been sleeping at night for 30 years. I was in bands. And Mm. once this Chinese woman gave me a message and she just goes, you're sleeping daytime. (laughs) Okay, how do you know? She goes, I can tell, not good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and so then you know you're eating in service stations so you know i was 20 gigs away from taking a year off and maybe get me then girlfriend and move to australia for a year and like 20 gigs and what's the end i just bang adrenal fatigue gut problems you know you blow out the neurotransmitters with the cortisol and the adrenals with the no sleep with the 46 with the unprocessed trauma bang mm. uh, have a mental breakdown have a have a which takes you into deep, deep, deep depression, you know, which took me into a world which I'd rallied against and never wanted to go in, which was the antidepressant world, which is another world I went into, which got out of because I know no way I'm staying on their drugs. I mean, I'd taken illegal drugs throughout my life, but i have never been addicted to it. When the doctor said, why don't you take antidepressants, I said, I don't want to take these. He goes, but you're taking illegal drugs. I went, yeah, but not every day. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 Admittedly, there was the odd Tuesday I did some lines, right? But really, it's, you know, Friday, Saturday, if it was rabid, you know, I'm not Wednesday, let's get some Coke. Yeah. You know, like yeah. even drinking, I don't really drink and. Mm. Weed, you know, I've smoked some pot. But but, but you realise, you know, and uh, you know, it all just started to – and then what do they say if you're looking at even in a simplistic version of this in the, in that Jungian sense, which is now you can get this information. You know, you mm. come, if you listen to Peterson, Jordan Peterson, he'll tell you about it. He likes to go into that Jung shadow work, right? And if you listen to a guy called Gabor Mate, you know, Gabor Mate, is a Canadian – he's a psychological guy. He dealt with a lot of people on drugs – and he used to use ayahuasca and stuff in Canada till they sort of stopped him using it. He's a Hungarian guy who escaped to Canada when he was a kid, but he's had a very he, hes a very interesting guy. Who, he, most drug addictions, they tell you, is trauma. It's all unprocessed trauma. Mm, right. What's going on with your health, your illness? You've got to deal with the shadow work, you know. Like Jungians tell you, you got to walk, even in the Bible, isn't it? You've got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, mm. fear no evil. Mm. Well, I think, what is that? Well, that's you, mate you got to face yourself you got to face yourself otherwise you keep going oh well, well I'm a victim they do this to me there's never but what if things that are manifesting in your life are because of you
1: that's exactly the how much of this victimhood shit do you think is people projecting their shit onto the world
2: well i think the victimhood i think whoever this 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 i don't use the word elite whatever's going on this system in the world. I believe they've used things like uh, PC and all these minority separations and to create exactly that, that victim mentality, right? Which is a which is a backfoot mentality. It's 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 you like, oh look at me, am I'm I'm a victim of circumstance. You know, some circumstances are harder than others, of course. Sure. You know, and mm. I'm not saying that any of this stuff is easy. And you could kill yourself doing it. We're we'll recommend not recommending that, <laughs> yeah. by the way. No, I mean, you <laughs> might not handle it. Depression will make you kill yourself. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. Brutal depression is, I mean, I've been there. You know, it's, it's fucking brutal. You'd, and, and it's a strange one again because you can't work out a comparison. Someone else goes, yeah, I've had the same thing. We well, don't know because some people have a generally happy life and then they get a bit sad. They think they're depressed because they're not used to being a bit sad. Mm-hmm. But I grew up pretty sad my whole life, so being sort of just sort of miserable wasn't really a problem. But when I got depression, then I realised, this ain't the same thing. This is hardcore. And so then they will tell you this. So what's going on in the world at the moment? So what if what's going on in the world at the moment, you've got, now this is radicals and stuff, I guess, but what if that great trauma, what if we have a collective trauma within the collective conscious, subconscious, after 2,000 years we're used for, of, what, of wars and slaveries and colonialism and separation and just being on the planet, and, right? And so what if there is this great trauma? What if that trauma, like, which is also part of the earth, which we're connected to, which we're not even connected to, we are of, is, is coming up? What if it's time to face this collective shadow? Hmm. And so in almost one sense, what's happening in the world with, the, with this virus and this thing will crush economies, will do all this, what if... They're the manifestation of our unprocessed trauma. So, almost like we don't, we don't, this, we, we could almost thank these people, this cabal, for what? For showing us how to wake up. Why? Because most people don't wake up until they've got a boot on their neck. Simple uh, way to describe it, isn't it? If you, if you hate the dentist because it's so scary and horrible, but once the pain of that toothache overrides the fear, Mm. You can't get to that dentist quick enough. Why? Because the, the fear has now been driven out by the pain. Mm. And a lot of people wake up like that. How? Because the the the, the fear, the whatnot, the fear of my, my business, my country collapsing, right, but eventually or, or even the fear if I'm getting a virus, that would be the one now. But that will soon go away if there's a UN b- corporate thug who's busted into your house. And taking your kids away and you've got your boot on your neck. And now you, oh, you believe in conspiracy theories. Oh, no, yeah, no, maybe it's <laughs> not. This. So the pain will wake you up, won't it? And because. because Go on, man, make a joke. Cr-
0: crack a gag. It's <laughs> a gag. Yeah, crack a gag. Add <laughs> jackboot on someone's throat. But so you think it's we're, what we're doing is we're sort of awakening almost. And do you think a lot of people are sleepwalking through their life?
2: Yeah, well, I was. I don't blame anyone for that. I think, you know, we're involved. We grew up as a TV generation, didn't we, anyone from the sort of 50s, mm. 60s and up to now. You know, you, if you, people go, oh, you think I'm brainwashed. But we're all brainwashed. Mm. Who, who had, why do you think you're so special? Didn't you grow up watching TV, listening to them, what they're telling you is what you what to believe in? Watching Religion the news. told you what to believe in. The right. news told you what to believe in. Entertainment told you what to believe in. Sport told you what to believe in. Right? You've got all these movies told you. Like me and you were discussing, if most people think about the people who live in the southern states of America, I'll just start going, you know, well, they're all rednecks and they talk like that and squeal like a pig boy. And you're like, where'd you get that idea? Films. Hmm. Right. Have you been there? No. Have you met them? No. They're probably the most American, polite, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, most certainly, yeah. Oh, no, they all hate black people. Do they? They've been living with black people for 400 years, not like the northern states. (laughs) So, you know, who's more used to it? So where do you get these beliefs from? Do you uh, have, yeah, of course films have an effect. Why Why wouldn't films be used for propaganda? They know it works, that's what advertising is, isn't it?
1: Hmm.
2: Mix sex up with things that hit you subconsciously and then, well, I'll uh, buy that. Well, they know it works as they do it to you. So, why wouldn't they use films if you've got a, you know, if you want to psychologically control people and you've got access to motion pictures? Wouldn't make- you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. it, it does make sense.
2: And then yeah. if you go back and you watch it and you watch all these films and you go, yeah, and then you start asking who made them and then you're allowed to talk about that. And then, you know, and then we are where we are. But but do you blame young people for? No, because I've come to a stage of going, what's what's the point in blame? Because I watched some young girl the other day, who my brother sent me a thing of some poor PC girl who's, you know, got no shirt on and slut written on her or something and Black Lives Matter written on her and some purple hair and you're like, and I, I just sat there and went, this, I feel, no, I always feel sorry for this person because hmm. I don't know, it, has she been brought up in a PC world? Well, of course she has, right, to this system, this, this slow march through the institutions, which I think even Douglas Murray mm-hmm. mentioned that, you know, you know it's come through here. And did they pop her on psych drugs when she was three? Because they brought that one up, didn't they? Oh, they've all got ADD and ADHD, and like here, start giving your children psych drugs. So, what's the effect of these psych drugs on a three-year-old's head? Oh, you yeah. know. Well, maybe so. So now I can look at them and go, "Well, this, this girl might be highly damaged from this system." But also because I think they become so mental, where they start going, "There's 900 genders, and if you want to be a chick, you can just you know just put on a dress and call yourself Barbara. Doesn't matter. It's, it's <laughs> still reality." I think eventually the silent majority will listen to these people and go, these people are nuts. Hmm. And they'll start waking up because right? they go, we can't, what's, what's going on with you? There's a thousand genders and avatars. <laughs> 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 so in one sense, I think maybe we, we can thank them. Yeah. Because they've suffered. I think they have suffered to, to to end up like this, like you're completely nuts. Hmm. What are you talking about? Just, well, if you don't agree with that And you've seen some of them, they you know, yeah, people compile them like, in YouTube yeah. and make, you know what do they call them, snowflakes going berserk or something. But some of them you're like, why are you throwing a bin through a window because someone said something you don't like, man. I'm like, it's, it's savage. But, you know, as I said, maybe, and, and there is spiritual sort of, I don't know, laws, is that the right word? But they actually, the deeper I get into it where they go, it's not your job to change anyone and it's almost like it's not your karma, someone else's karma, how they learn. Hmm. So don't you go in there and start telling them. If they ask, tell them. But if they don't, don't go in there and tell you think you can tell everyone what to do because it's not, maybe it's not their time yet. Hmm. Maybe they're playing another role. I'm starting to learn that, you know, with, your, with our mind and our intellect and my level of control, I've started to realise I've got to let go of control of some things, I think. Like I just made the film clip with my band, as I said, wasn't myself and my friend, but our cameraman, he can't quite because he's had to go back to work. Hmm during this lockdown stuff, right, so we can't quite get the time to make, the, we want to make another clip, but he's had to postpone because he's got to go into a normal job. Right? Uh, what was my point? What was I talking about?
1: You're talking about letting mm-hmm. go of control. Mm-hmm, yeah.
2: You let it go and forgot. Now, there's a part of me that that, <laughs> that I know that could even within my unconscious because I've looked at myself a lot, that could almost take that as well, who does he think he is? He said he'd do it. Why, why, why won't he do it now? Why won't he do it? And then there's a part of me thinking, well, maybe I'll just get someone else to do it, right? I could drive up all these things and I think, why don't you just let go? Just go, okay. I can't do it for another three weeks. Okay. Because it'd be a part of me, the way I operate, it would start going, well, I'll, I'll get someone else to do it. I'll, I thought, why don't I just for once go, okay, and see what happens. Because hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. He might suddenly go, that job's been canceled Go got a whole week free. Do you want to do it straight in two days? I don't know what's going to happen. But if I work myself up through, well, I'll try and control it. So I thought, I'll just drop it all. I'll just let it go and see where it takes me because I don't know. My therapist said something which really I couldn't work out at first. And then I think I've, 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 he said, whenever you're trying to do something, he goes, have no desire for an outcome, which goes completely against if you want to win an Olympic medal or become a weightlifter, you go there, you've got an outcome, you've got a goal, which is in, mm-hmm. I think in our society is something that's very, we look at it, don't we? And it makes sense to the mind, well, I like that, so I'll do this. And I understand that it works. If you want to get good at drums, well, hit them a lot and eventually you'll be better than you are here in, in that linear thing. But he said to me, he said, you know, have 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 stuff you want. He goes, but don't have any desire for the outcome. He said, do the work, but let go of control of any desire for the outcome. He goes, because you don't, he goes, this is what made me think. He goes, when you do that, you now can put yourself in the position of pure potential, which is beyond your control. Not you trying to control the world, put yourself in pure potential, Why? where you let go. If you're in religious, they might call it faith, Hmm. Let go. You don't know everything. Something may happen you don't know, and maybe if you try and control it, that thing that would have happened now won't.
0: And do you think we? Live in a so- <laughs> it's, so, a, it's a great point, but do you think we live in a society where we're sort of taught to believe in control? We have a five-year plan. What do you want? What's your ambition? You go to university. You go do this. You do that. You do this. You. Blah, 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 blah. We're taught to have control. Oh, we're, we're
2: completely taught, and and some of it's. I think you have to learn to live in paradox. I mean, some of it is. It's not like you just. I have no control. I don't care about anything. It's not that flamboyant a way to think. But most definitely, we live in we we live in a go 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 mm. achieve. I'm a winner kind of mentality, you don't we? Really a society mm. we have that kind of. No one's kind of yeah, man. Just. But, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that stuff's coming to an end because I, I, I think that there is an awakening. I don't like that word particularly, but I think there's a – because there's many different angles depending on, on, on how you could look at this situation we're in at the moment, isn't it? There? There's the political ones, there's the conspiratorial ones, but there's big, there's big spiritual ones of people I listen to who are like, well, this is just happening like mystics have told you, like Indigenous people told you like it's just happening there's photon belts that are shifting you've gone from the age of pisces into aquarius you know this is other realms that people are looking at or what's going on on the planet you you do have to shift you have to wake up because you've acquiesced over 2000 years to these systems what that came from rome and everywhere else so you're responsible as well for what's going on why because you acquiesced you pay your tax you agreed to listen to all this stuff they tell you they tell you in the films don't they? They tell you all the time, look, here's a film, Robocop. We told you in the 80s and you went, yeah, it's a film. Well, we're going to bring them for you (laughs) and we're getting you used to them. Here they are. And also what that then is that goes, well, we didn't lie to you. In fact, you're so stupid. This is almost satanic. We showed you and you didn't wake up. Is it our fault? See, that's satanic thinking. That's predatory thinking. That's how satanic thinks. That's how Satanism will think in the level of well, Levian Satanism, at least, in the sense of, well, if you're too stupid to understand that I'm psychologically manipulating you, then that's nature.
1: Steve, it's an important point you made earlier as well, which I, I resonates with me, which is about the importance of confronting the fact that you have that shadow, mm. that we all have a shadow, mm. and recognizing that and not pretending, oh, I'm this perfect good person. Because everyone nowadays runs around thinking they're a good person, right? You tweet the right thing, you say the right thing, you have the right opinions, you're on the right side of politics, you criticize certain people. You're, right <laughs> you're on the
0: right side of history. You're on the right <laughs> side
1: of history, right? That's the phrase they use, you're on the right yeah, side yeah. of history. And you, you brought up Jordan Peterson, who I have mixed feelings about on some on, it, some it. things, but but I think he's right on this, which is if you don't recognize... Your own imperfections, your own evil desires, your ability, your capability of being evil, then you will find yourself running around claiming to be a good person and doing a tremendous amount of damage. It's your world. big time. Mm.
2: Well, what what's the old saying? Is it all, all the road to hell a paved with good intentions? That's an old mm. one. Yeah, which right. I Didn't always understand, always throughout my life. Yeah, but most definitely because also then you, and it's not easy. I mean, my personality is. I mean, see. Then we can look at it from this perspective. Then you get the, the you know, non-dualism. You know, non-dualism. Explain so, it. Okay. Well, that's 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 when you're getting to sort of the enlightenment within Buddhism. All mm. right. Now, there's a guy, an English guy called Tony Parsons, who's a radical non-dualism. He's even too full on for some non-dualists. So, so what this is is in that sort of mysticism Buddhist sense is that you're, that you live it. You're living in duality. Right, like in the yin and yang, black and white. Right, mm. there's a mind and a personality in a subjective world, and it lives in there and it looks out at an objective world, and thinks that things in the objective world can 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 come at the mm. at the subjective world, and that mm. these two things are separate. They're telling you no, well, they're not separate, but they but they are but 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 they are but they are dualistic. Mm. So you have up down, black white, wet dry, hot, Mm. cold, male, female, you have these dualisms. Mm. But the real reality is singular yet
1: the dualism
2: is part of the singular.
1: Mm. I'd love to see your comedy after all this. It sounds like you've been on a journey, man.
2: Well, I used to think back then how could I get some of this stuff into comedy without taking the piss out of it? There's a certain part of me that doesn't like to take the piss Mm. out of topics. Like That you care about. Yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, get yeah. that. Even though I can make comedy out of them. Yeah. Mm. But I've got to make sure that I'm not taking the piss out of Right. Them. Mm. You're not going for the easy, cheap gag. No, no, no. Yeah. If I, I want to discuss something like this, it's... Yeah.
1: yeah. Well,
2: There's an old saying with heavy metal, I you know, well, people into heavy metal can laugh at heavy metal. It's just that if you don't understand heavy metal, we get upset if you laugh at it. Right. <laughs> but we can laugh at it, right, because we know, you know mm. yeah, Because we also respect it, you know. Yeah. yeah. But that guy's dressed in a loincloth. Yeah, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 but it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and you've got yeah. another tradition well, no, of the loincloth. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. But if you're just laughing at it and think it's stupid, no, 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 it's not as stupid as you think, yeah.
1: man. So, are you going to, are you doing, or are you going to be doing comedy about this sort of stuff, spirituality, um, which is personal growth, whatever you call it?
2: I don't, I don't know yet how to do it. I'll do it if it, if it, if it, if it comes. Yeah. Mm. It comes. So, what
1: are you talking about on stage now? Well, the last show was very about, about sort of just
2: PC and feminism, especially feminism. I don't agree with it. And, uh, why don't you? Because it's become too fundamentalist and radical. Mm. Sure, back in the day, you know, it was fine, you know, but now it's just too, now it's radical. It's just mm. too out of control. It's man-hating. And I don't care what you say it is. isn't. It, it just is.
1: You
2: know? mm. Mm. Do, I, do I now have to go into a long-winded reason why I'm supposed to believe this to make sure that I don't get bad comments or people try and, I don't care anymore?
1: No, to be no, honest, mate, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on this show, you probably get good <laughs> comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't, I, don't, I don't care what they say anymore. Loads like, of the women yeah. who watch our show are oh, yeah. massively anti-feminism yeah. because, it, yeah, as you should've... say, it's become, a, it's become a, a completely different thing. Second wave feminism was about making sure that women had the same rights as men, right? And it seems like like Douglas Murray says, who you watched on our show, hmm. we got to the train station... And then we went. You know what? Fuck it, and just <laughs> keep, we keep going. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's a great yeah. Yeah. Last stop, not for
2: us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, May we could talk for hours, like you say, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Oh, right? already? Yeah, 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 absolutely. The time flies. Uh, we've Does got, fly? We've got one more question for you,
0: which is what? Uh, as always, what's the one thing we're not talking about, but we really should be?
1: I'm not talking about. What really should be.
2: How amazing Kate Bush's drummer is. <laughs> no, nah, but he is. <laughs> that, would um, brand, Steve, would
0: no, that would have been very on-brand, Steve, I would be honest with you. That would have been very on-brand, that last question. On-brand? Like,
1: yeah. What's that As mean? in it matches yeah, who, you who you are, are in, otherwise. Yeah. And what <laughs> you like your called, brand, yeah. like how people would perceive in you, yeah. it matches that. Oh, right. Well, it does. <laughs> well done,
2: mate. Good one. Well, well I, what, what are we not talking about that, that, that should be talked about? I, I, I wouldn't these days bother to tell anyone what they should think or mm-hmm. what they should do anymore. All I would suggest, see, as I was going to say before, things are very easy for me because I get a little more radical than some people because of the. So people go, Do you watch the news? No. I haven't watched the news about this coronavirus once. The only time I've heard it was in the taxi coming here today because the guy wouldn't turn it off. Mm. And people go, why? Because I'm not going to listen to liars. Mm. They're liars. They told you there was weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They told you cigarettes were good for you in the 50s. They told you this. They're, they're liars. Mm. They're, they're bought out. They're corporatized. I'm not going to listen to them. They're good to watch if you want to see what your enemy's doing, the psychological strategies your enemy's doing. But I'll let other people do that. I'm not watching them because it's, it's psychological warfare. You know, when I watch the news, I just go, well, this is, high, this is a cultic mm. and it's military-grade psychological warfare. Even the simple things, you watch some guy comes on, he says something that, you, uh, that they want you to agree with and it flashes back to the news girl and she's going like this as he speaks. Most people wouldn't notice. Well, what's she doing? She's going, yes, see what he's saying? Mm. What he's saying is true, isn't it? <laughs> so it's just there. So that stuff. And I think if you're one of these people that's still running around calling everybody who doesn't believe in narratives a conspiracy theorist, I think what we should be talking about is that you're, see, I could get a little radical and say what you are is an enemy of the people and you're colluding with the uh, enemy. <laughs> 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 and I would. what we're not talking about is obviously just suggest do some research because we're not talking about it because why? Because now every, everything's just a right-wing conspiracy theory in it. The mainstream love to throw mm, that out mm. there. So I think what we're not talking about is the fact it's, Stop being a victim, get off your own ass, do some research and have your journey be what it is. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Maybe maybe you want to give it, maybe you're karma to be in a UN concentration camp. I don't
0: know. (laughs) 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 And from that, super positive (laughs) note.
2: But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Because I think, you know, the spirit is bigger, light is bigger. See, this is death. Where where, 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 where are we getting this system? It's death. It's Mm -hmm. on its last legs. Why? That's why it's doing this radical thing. And it is death. It doesn't exist. That's why you have to sign a birth certificate and sign and register everything and they create the fake you. Why? That's why you have a mortgage. Mort. Death. You have a death loan, don't you? He doesn't. No, he Uh, can't can't afford it. it No. Yeah, you Neither know, I, thank God. You know, I I'm mate. fucked, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, Steve, we've got to wrap yeah, up, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Time, no, don't don't stand that, up yet. That, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, thank you so much for coming on. I hope this was interesting. I know it was a little all over the shop. <laughs> no, it's just, great, It's man. great. It's We're fine. not done yet, so don't do the off-camera <laughs> yeah. part before right. we've gone off-camera. Yeah. Uh, where can people find uh, your work? you obviously got a YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, I have got a YouTube channel now, yeah. What is it? That's uh, I guess it's just called Steve Hughes. All right. Well, Steve you can news, see can Steve doesn't know YouTube. what brand
1: is and he doesn't know what his own yeah. YouTube channel is. He says, don't watch the news, watch Trigonometry and watch Steve's, yeah, Steve's yeah, YouTube yeah. channel.
2: So I've got a YouTube channel and uh, there's music, comedy on there. Perfect. Perfect.
1: There's everything if you really want on the internet now, isn't it? there? Is. There is. is. But let's not go there. let's nah, uh, not go there. Eh? Anyway, uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming oh, on. Thank you. Uh, and fun. we will see you guys very soon with another brilliant episode like this. 7pm UK time on Wednesdays and Sunday. Or you can catch us on a live stream.
0: Absolutely. And they go out Tuesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Always 7pm UK time. Take care and see you soon, guys.